image of planting seeds is a wonderful metaphor for what it means to live a life with the purpose of making disciples. Because every time you have a conversation with someone, a very deliberate conversation about your faith or about Jesus, every time you open up the word of God with someone, every time that you contribute a dollar to support missionaries or the work of the church in a local community, every time that you offer a prayer on behalf of someone else, every kind word, every act of service in the name of Christ, every one of those things and so more are in essence planting another seed in the heart, in the mind of someone, someone that we hope is good soil. And so planting seeds is a wonderful metaphor for what we are doing with God and for God. You see, our primary purpose in this world is not to be happy. I know that sounds contrary to what many people believe, but our purpose is not to be happy. Our purpose is to be ambassadors of Christ. It's not about the pursuit of pleasure. It is about making Jesus known in this world. And so Commission Sunday is a great opportunity, a great reminder for all of us to remember why we are here, to remember what life is about, to remember what our purpose is as ambassadors of Christ. And as we think about what God is doing in us and through us, we come to the realization that we have the opportunity and the privilege to be what the Bible says is co-workers with God, to partner with God in helping to change this world and taking the light into this dark world. We should be humbled by that. We should give thanks that God would consider us worthy enough to work for him and with him as his representatives in this world. And so it is Commission Sunday, a great opportunity for us to celebrate, to give thanks for what God is doing through us and to partner with him. We mentioned the, the squares up here that many of our children have made. We've zoomed in on a few, and we're going to show those to you on the screen. Our children have decorated these quilt squares. They've made messages and drawn pictures as an encouragement to our missionaries. I love that one. The color on that is great. Gob. <laughs> Happy everything. That's perfect. And I am just so appreciative to Brenda and Dana and our children's ministry and to all the kids that participated and to Enid Lawler and some of her uh, people in her sewing group, our shared experience group that we've sort of put many of them on hold for a while during the pandemic. But her group is going to use these panels and make quilts out of these panels that we can send to our missionaries. And can you imagine how thankful our missionaries will be when they receive one of these quilts just as a sim symbol, as a reminder of, of us, this congregation, and our children who are praying for them and encouraging them and supporting them. I know they will treasure those very much. And so I'm so thankful for those who have made that possible. As we think about this world that we live in, especially this season that we find ourselves in, there seems to be so much conflict, so much volatility. And I think it's a good reminder for us 
to look outside of ourselves, when we begin to form a global vision of what God is doing in the world, it's good for us because we look beyond our issues, our problems, our desires, our needs, our perceived rights. We look beyond all of those things to see a bigger picture, to see what God is doing in places like Northern Ireland or Germany or Zambia or Nicaragua or Mexico or McAllen or Montreal or Ecuador. We look and we see that the world and the kingdom of God expands beyond our little circle and our little uh, life of what we think we want and need in this moment. And we know that when we join with God, that God will work for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to, what does Romans 8, 28 say? Those who have been called according to his purpose. Not my purpose, not your purpose, not what we want, what we desire, what we think we deserve, but God's purpose. And isn't that why we are here? To help fulfill the purpose of God in this world. So let's not get in the way of what God is doing. More than that, let's join what God is doing. Sometimes we get so distracted. We get distracted from God's purpose and focus more on our purpose. Or sometimes we, we say, okay, God, I'm going to plant these seeds of the gospel. I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to invite someone to church. I'm going to pray for someone. I'm going to do something. And we do it, and then it feels like nothing happens. God, I did my part. What's going on? Aren't you going to do your part? Maybe you've felt that way before. Several years ago, when our son Riley was in middle school, he came home with a science project. And we decided to do this project by planting seeds, grass seeds, in these little cups or these little containers, and then see how each one of them grew under different lighting conditions. And so we had different wattages of bulbs of lights for different ones, and then one we put outside for the natural light, the sunlight. And we learned some things from the experiment. We learned, at least I did, that I am impatient. I wanted to plant the seed and see something spring up immediately. You know that's not what happens. It's not how it works. But we also learned that there are many variables when it comes to planting a seed and having something grow. Because what happened is these, these grass seeds all grew at different rates, and they produced different results based on the different conditions. So there were a lot of variables involved. But isn't the same to be said spiritually when it comes to spiritual growth and transformation there are so many variables at work and God's timing is not always our timing Jesus explains one of those variables the condition of the heart when he told that famous story what we call the parable of the sower he said a farmer was out one day and he was planting seed he was sowing seed and some of that seed fell along the path and that seed was walked on and then eventually birds swooped down and ate that seed up he said other seed fell on the rocky soil there wasn't much depth there there wasn't much room for dirt and soil and so that shallow soil couldn't support life and those 
faded away. And then some of that seed fell along the thorns, and those thorns, as, as the plants grew up, those thorns crowded those good plants out, and they also withered away. And yet some of that seed fell on what he called the good soil. And once it took root, it produced a crop, a massive crop. And then when he was asked to explain, okay, what does this parable mean? This is what he said in Luke chapter 8. This is the meaning of the parable, verse 11. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell along the thorn stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. In Jesus' parable and his explanation of the parable, we learn some important principles for spiritual growth, for sharing our faith, for making disciples. And one of the things we learn is what our role is. Our job is to do what? It's to plant the seeds of the word of God in people's hearts and minds. Jesus said, the seed is the word of God. We are like that farmer going out and sowing seed, planting these seeds in the hearts and the minds of people around us. And notice in his story, the farmer couldn't necessarily change the condition of the soil. Only God can change hearts, but that didn't stop the farmer from putting seed on those different types of soil. So many times we write people off we assume they won't respond favorably to Jesus, or we just don't act like we have the time. Our job is to plant seeds of the gospel. And yes, there are many variables that impact that growth. One of the main ones being the condition of people's hearts, but there are other variables as well. Just like with that science project, there's different forces at work. And while we can try to affect those variables and those forces and try to make the conditions as favorable as possible at the end of the day our job is simply to plant the seeds of the gospel it's pretty simple that's our job let's leave transformation to the spirit of god let's leave conversion to god our job is to plant seeds and so we learn that growth is a process that transformation takes time. Ultimately, that God is in control. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that because we want to be in control. We want to be in control of how people respond, and that's, that's not going to happen. God is in control. In the first century, the church in Corinth really needed to hear this message because their eyes were not looking at God their eyes were looking at each other. And so there is fussing and fighting in this church, and they're fussing and fighting over who they're following. They were elevating the role of humans and basically forgetting the role of God. And so Paul addresses this issue. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, our text for today. You are still worldly, he says, 
For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not merely human beings? You see, divisions and conflict within the church are so destructive. Not only does it cause painful wounds for those within the fractured body, but it damages the church's witness to the world. And that is so very tragic. Paul wants to root out any division among the church in Corinth. And so he targets one of those sources of conflict. In at least two other places in this letter, in chapter 1, verse 12, and then later in chapter 3, verse 21 through 23, he identifies this problem. That you're wrapped up in what human, what teacher, what preacher you're following. You're pledging your allegiance to someone besides Jesus Christ. Some were saying that we're with Paul. Others were saying, well, we're with Apollos. And others were saying, well, we're with Cephas. But all of these men and everyone else and everything else bows in submission to Jesus. We follow Jesus. Our identity is with him not in any human being. And so if your faith is tied up in in some personality or some preacher or some program of the church or even some place, then your faith is misguided. And so Paul provides some perspective, not only for them, but for us today. And he says, these guys that you're pledging your allegiance to, that you say, I follow them, They're merely merely human beings. They're ambassadors of the king, not the king himself. They are not the Messiah. They are only messengers of the Messiah. He'll continue in verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Paul says. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. You see, even here, Paul explains some important principles about spiritual growth. Now, of course, this was an agrarian society, and so they understood the metaphor of planting seeds, of of watering those seeds, of waiting on those seeds, and then of, of hopefully working the harvest of that crop from those seeds. And so they understood what Paul was talking about here, but he makes the parallel for them into the spiritual realm. And as he does that, he reminds us of some important truths. And one of those is what we've been saying all along, that God brings the results when we are faithful to plant the seeds. That God brings the increase. He provides the harvest of souls when we plant the seeds. That is our job, to spread the gospel, to teach and to preach and to reach those around the world with the good news of Jesus. Did you see in verse 8? That these guys, either those who planted or those who watered, they had what? One purpose. We are unified by our one purpose, to make disciples. That is our mission, straight from Jesus' own mouth. Matthew 28. We can't expect a harvest 
if we don't plant the seeds. We can complain about all the weeds taking over this world, but if we want to change the spiritual landscape of our homes, of our communities, of our nation, of the world, then we must get out there and start planting seeds of truth and love. That is our job. Verse 9, we are co-workers in God's field. Spiritual transformation in someone's life in a community takes time and intentional effort, usually by multiple people. Think about your own story, your own transformation or conversion story. My guess is it wasn't just one person or one event or one conversation that led you to that point. It was probably over a period of time, multiple influences, multiple conversations, multiple Bible studies or lessons. You see, all of that was like planting seeds and those seeds being watered. And co-workers together did that for you. And that's what we are to do. But let's keep perspective Paul says in verse 7 that we really aren't anything. Now, he's not saying that we don't matter, that we have no value, no worth. He's saying relative to God and what he does to bring about transformation, we're simply part of the process. So don't think so highly of yourself, I think is what Paul is saying. And don't think so highly of these people that you're holding up as you follow them because they are fallible human beings. They are not perfect But together we are co-workers and we are working with God and for God and God brings the increase. We are like tools on a project, instruments in a symphony. And even as a congregation trying to make disciples in this world, let's be very clear, it's not what we do. We are not making disciples. God is using us, working through us to make disciples. Maybe you can remember it this way. When we sow it, God will grow it. (laughs) When we sow it, God will grow it. Simplified version of the text that we just read. When we sow these seeds of the gospel, of truth in love, those conversations, those opening up the word, all those things, when we do that, God will bring the increase. So a part of our response is faithfulness and trust. The story is told about Clarence Jordan, who in 1940 founded Cornania Farms in Georgia. It was a safe haven of racial unity and cooperation. But in 1954, members of the KKK raided this farm one night. They came in with their hoods and their robes, and they burned down every building except Jordan's house. During the raid, Jordan recognized a voice under one of the hoods. It was the local newspaper reporter. Well, it just so happens that the next day, while the rubble was still smoldering, that newspaper reporter showed up at his farm. And he found Jordan out in the field with a hoe, working the field, planting some seeds. And the newspaper reporter approached him, He said, I'm here to do a story on the arson. He said, I heard the tragic story. I heard the bad news, and I'm here to do a story. Jordan knew who he was. He just kept working the ground. Well, 
the reporter pressed on and wanted some kind of response, some kind of reaction from Jordan, but he wouldn't give it. He basically, the reporter said, you know, you, you have to, to shut down now. You have to close this farm. What do you think about that? Jordan wouldn't answer. And finally, the reporter said, listen, you have two PhDs. You've been on this farm for 14 years working it. How successful do you think you've been? And that's when Jordan stopped working the ground. And he looked at the reporter and he said, you just don't get it, do you? He said, you don't understand for Christians. It's not about success. It's about faithfulness. What a great reminder for us. We are in a success-driven society. We measure everything by results, and we want results. I got to tell you, when we watch our baptism video every year, it just warms my heart because I know that God is bringing about this harvest of souls, that those are changed lives, and somehow we were a small part of that. It is, it is wonderful, but our job is to be faithful. Our job is to plant seeds of the gospel and trust that God will do what God does, work among us. You see, faithfulness is sowing seeds of the gospel in this world and trusting God to do whatever the Spirit will do to bring success. And sometimes it takes time, and sometimes there are variables involved. But you know, those tiny acorns will eventually become a giant oak tree. When we reach out to make disciples, God can do amazing things. When you are deliberate about demonstrating your faith, about exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit among others, especially when it's most difficult to do that. When you open the Bible with someone else and you listen and you learn from each other, but more than that, you listen and you learn from God. When you tell your coworkers about what God is doing in your life, and you're very specific to, to use that terminology. Here's what God is doing in my life. When you do some act of service or kindness for someone else in the name of Jesus, when you give a dollar to support the mission work at this congregation, when you offer a prayer, when you invite someone to church, when you go on a mission trip, and on and on, you are planting seeds. You are being faithful. So thank you for your faithfulness. For many years, God has been using this church family to plant seeds of the gospel all over the world. And so we wanted to share some of the, what I'm calling, harvest stories with you. Some stories about the results about what God is doing to bring about transformation. And so we put together a little video, a short little video, three different stories. One from Germany, one from Mexico, one from Nicaragua. And in all three of these stories, what you're going to hear and see is this wasn't something that happened overnight. There were seeds planted for years. Those seeds were watered over years by multiple co-workers in God's field. And God was working through it all. So you'll hear from Kai Courtright, our missionary in Germany. You'll hear from Evan Burkett about an incredible story from Mexico and from Neil Ferguson, who's telling us about a conversion with a very special individual at Camp Luminaris in Nicaragua. Watch this video. 
So Timon is 15 years old. Uh, when I first arrived here, he was nine. And so over these years, we've, we've really gotten to know each other. We're good buds. And we've had a lot of great conversations over the years about what it means to be a follower of Christ and to give your life to him in baptism. And in January, uh, at the end of January, we were going through uh, Jesus' teaching on prayer in Matthew chapter 6 and how Jesus tells us, you know, to go into a room by yourself and pray to our Father. Um, and we had been going deeper into that in one of our Thursday life groups. And, um, and so the next day, I on Friday, I got a phone call from Timon, and he said Thursday night after our life group, he had done just that. He had gone into his room, closed the door, uh, and prayed. And he prayed, Father, if this is the time for me to give my life to you in baptism, give me a sign. And he asked God for that. And the next morning, he met his mom at the breakfast table and they had a devotional together and they opened the book and the first words there in the book were, repent and be baptized. <laughs> uh, and so he said that was it. And he made his decision that he was ready to give his life to Christ. And he called me that, that evening and we talked about it. And, uh, and then that Saturday, January 30th, he gave his life to Christ. Many of you know the long relationship and history that we have with Humberto Hernandez and his wife, Irene, and especially the work that they've done in Mexico, because many of you have been able to go on that trip and work alongside them. Just recently, the preacher we support there, Ubaldo, and a man who comes to help him, whom we also support from Victoria, Ismail, they were delivering care packages, and they were preaching the word of God to a crowd. And in that group was a man named Valentin. And the message he heard that day had a big impact on his life. The next day, he found himself in the fields working with Matias. Matias is a brother from the Union Church and also the husband of Rosa. Many of us have enjoyed her hospitality and her cooking. Valentin said, I have so many questions about the church and about God and what it all means. And Matias was so happy to tell him everything he could. A few days later, they found themselves working together in the field. And that day, Matias shared the gospel with Valentin. At the end of their discussion together, Valentin said, I've heard today that I have life left to serve God. And so together they walked down the path to Leunion. They went to the river there where Matthias baptized Valentin and welcomed him as a brother into the church. As the only member of his small village, Valentin, at age 84, every Sunday walks an hour and a half to be with his new church family. The little village where Valentin lives is called Refugio, which means the refuge. And the church is in La Union, which means join. Valentin has found a refuge and has joined the family of God. I'm excited to tell you about my friend Alex. Alex works at the Skylark Retreat Center in Nicaragua, where we have our Luminaris Bible Camp each year. And Alex's job there is the caretaker, which basically means he's the guy that we go to when we need something, whether we've lost a Frisbee or we just need another few tickets at mealtime. Alex is who we go to see. Well, we didn't realize it at the time, but about three or four years ago, our camp was Alex's first event to work at Skylark. So his journey there mirrors our journey there. Well, this year at camp, uh, one evening, as has become tradition, several of the missionaries were up late for a soccer game. It usually starts about midnight after all the kids have gone to bed and uh, goes pretty late. Well, Alex was there watching. Uh, Alex's room is right next to the gym, so I don't know that he could have slept if he wanted to, but he was there watching. And then after the game, several of our missionaries were talking with Alex, and the conversation turned to the gospel. 
And over the course of that conversation, Alex realized that he wasn't where he needed to be. And so they went up right there about 2.30 in the morning and he was baptized into Christ and they were able to celebrate with them, with him. And that was just so exciting for us to hear about that. Well, I mentioned that Alex's first event at Skylark was our camp. Well, this year's camp was Alex's last event at Skylark. So it was just really cool for us to think about um, God's perfect timing in Alex's life and how he was able to use the camp to plant seeds in Alex's life uh, that ultimately resulted in him obeying the gospel. What inspiring stories, and that's just three stories. These same types of stories are being echoed all over the world in, in places and from people that we support, that we are co-workers with in planting seeds of the gospel. And so the invitation is simply join us in that. Join God in what he's doing in this world to make a difference in this world. Again, it's so easy to look out in the world and identify all the weeds that are growing up and look at the shape of this world, but we need to get out there and start planting seeds of the gospel. And so usually on Commission Sunday, we have a special offering, as, as most of you know, but obviously we haven't passed the plates in a long time. But we have other ways to give, and so I would just encourage you in this moment to give, to give sacrificially. And maybe the easiest way to do that is simply take out your phone and either use the church app, the mobile app, or just text Edmund C of C to 77977. If you're already in the system, then it'll be really easy if you're not in the system, then you may have to answer a few questions and set things up. And you may want to do that a little bit later today, or you can do it right now. Either way, obviously, we have uh, old school ways of giving, mailing checks. There's a box out there. There's a box outside the church office. Uh, we just want you to be a part of what God is doing. God is bringing a harvest of souls all over the world, and that should give us great joy. That is what our lives are to be about. We get so distracted. We get so burdened by so many things in this world. It's so important for us to refocus on who God is, on what he's doing, on what he's called us to do. And so I hope and pray that you will give sacrificially. Maybe you've never been a part of this effort before. God is inviting you. God is urging you to do that. If you're online, we encourage you to participate as well. Why don't we pause now in this moment and pray a prayer of blessing over every dollar given in his name and for the cause of Christ. Join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity. That's what it is. And God, I know that, that giving sometimes hurts because giving means sacrificing. It means giving away something that we don't get to keep. But Father, we know when we give, we're representing you. We're reflecting your heart. You are a God who gives Jesus is the one who gave everything. So, Father, not only do we want to reflect your Son, not only do we want to reflect your heart, but, Father, we want to be your co-workers in this world, planting seeds of the gospel, of truth and love all over the world. So, Father, I am thankful. We collectively are thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for every dollar given, and we pray that you would commit it to your work, to your service, to advance the cause of Christ, to expand the borders of your kingdom all over this world, Father. Empower and equip our missionaries who are out there in the trenches, on the front lines. Father, I know many of them are exhausted. They are tired emotionally and physically. 
I pray that you would breathe in them new life, that you would renew their energy and their strength, that you would let your spirit fill them up so they can pour out your blessings on those around them, Father. Thank you for using us. Thank you for letting us be a small part of what you're doing in this world. I pray your blessings on those who have given today or this week or last week or whenever it was, Father, for this effort. Father, together I pray that we can be your representatives in this world and that you would work in us and through us to bring about transformation, not only in us, but in the world around us. We give you all the praise and glory. We constantly look to you. And we pray in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You know, when Jesus looked at the world, when he looked at the heart of the world, and he saw so much struggle, so much pain, so much helplessness and hurting, he wasn't put off by it. He didn't turn and dismiss it or walk the other way. He didn't lash out at it. He had compassion on the world. His heart went out to the world. In Matthew 9, he says, they are, we are like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turned to his disciples, and I think in essence he turns to us, and he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest Harvest is plentiful. That means there are opportunities when we get discouraged by what's happening in our world, when we think Satan is winning the battle. Jesus says, there are opportunities everywhere. The harvest is plentiful. But here's the kicker. (laughs) The workers are few. And so the invitation today is the same invitation that Jesus commissioned his disciples with long ago it's the same invitation that God gives us every day and that is to be his representatives to be messengers of the Messiah to go and make disciples to be co-workers with God may we forever be faithful workers in this world planting seeds and trusting God to bring about an incredible harvest of souls. Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about something new we're, we're doing, uh, something we're offering. It's an additional resource. And so on our YouTube channel, starting today, hopefully this afternoon, there will be a brief video. There will also be with that video a discussion guide, some questions. And the idea is that we don't want to just leave the sermon in this room on Sundays. We want the word of God that is living and active to be living and active in us. And one of the ways we can do that is by talking about this message and these biblical texts with other people, with family, with friends, with neighbors. And so we just want to provide a resource for you to do that. And so the idea is that you watch this short video and that you sit down with others, maybe in your home, and you have a conversation, you have discussion, and you pray together, and you encourage each other, and you support each other. Maybe that's something you want to do tonight even, Sunday evening. Sit down with your family or invite some people over and watch the short video and have some discussion based on what we've talked about this morning. Maybe tonight doesn't work. Maybe later in the week you can find a time to do this. Again, as I say on the video, we know you don't need one more thing. We know you're busy, but we want to provide resources for you. We want to do everything we can to equip you to dive deeper into the Word of God so that the Word of God 
is in your heart, in your mind, in your life, and making a difference every day. So use that resource. I'll try to send out the link later today. It should also be on our YouTube channel. If you have any problems or issues or questions with that, um, if it's technology-based, you probably shouldn't ask me because I'm terrible, but I can at least track down an answer for you in that. As we wrap up, let me just offer the invitation that we have been offering throughout this whole service. Really, it's the same invitation that God offers every day, and that is for us to join him. And maybe you need to join him in the sense of committing your life to him, like the stories we heard about. Maybe you know in your own heart and mind those seeds have been planted, they've been watered, and now it's time. We will celebrate with you. If you're ready to give your life to Christ, to be baptized into Christ, to put on Christ and live for him, we would be honored to celebrate that wonderful decision with you. Or maybe it means coming back to him. Maybe it means making some changes, confessing sin, getting some accountability, receiving some support. If there's something we can do for you, we'd be happy to. If you're here, you can come forward. If you're online, you can go to our prayer page on our website, edmundchurchofchrist.com, and reach out to us. We want to be here for you. So let's stand and sing. In Christ alone, my 